the movie that single-handedly ruined every single horror film for me in the years since its release. And no, that is not an exaggeration. Guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, the show that is just a big front for just some evil government agency. I am your host, Max Steele, and as always, I am joined by the man directly involved with a zombie redneck torture family. Guys, it's Michael Flaherty. Uh, you know, all those times when I was spending those years out in uh, at the University of Alabama, my college years, that was actually a front. I was actually I was actually part of a redneck torture family that was actually a secret government front that was used in uh, the in the inevitable uh, experiments conducted on 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 spring breaking college students in the Appalachians. It's a very convoluted story, but for a later time. You know, I feel like um, zombie redneck torture family could also be a euphemism for um, fraternity hazing. Or 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 the name of a really, really specific hardcore punk band. I'm surprised it's not one, in all honesty. That's exactly right. <laughs> zombie redneck torture family. You're like, oh, yeah, it's destiny. That's it's just right there. It's just Henry Rollins, but with banjos instead. I was about to say, it's Henry Rollins if he grew up in rural Mississippi. If he grew up in the middle of fucking nowhere. Well, guys, we are talking about the 2012 comedy horror film Cabin in the Woods. But before we get started with this, guys, we have a huge, huge announcement at the end of this podcast. So, guys, stay tuned because you do not want to miss this. Absolutely not. This is this is something. This is something. You know how we were talking about Nick Cage month like it was something? Well, this is something. This is something like that. This makes Nick Cage month look small, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> so, Mike, what did you think of Cabin in the Woods? Oh, my God. I mean, I had already seen Cabin in the Woods, but I, I'm telling you, Cabin in the Woods is part of a very small lexicon of movies that mm-hmm. have a ha, that have a surprisingly high amount of rewatchability you know what i mean like amongst horror movies there are a lot of them you watch like once twice maybe three times and you're like these this is great i love this and i need this but very few i feel like are just infinite Mm -hmm. cabin in the woods is one of those where i could probably watch it regularly and i would would probably not get bored of it because not only is it one hilarious two actually pretty good at being scary and three like it's got so many little easter eggs for a horror movie buff that it's that it's just candy for people like us like i mean i mean it's fun yeah with this movie i agree with you on the rewatchability part because there is a there is a lot especially when you know the twist at the very end it's just kind of cool to like pick up on little things when you're watching and again getting the easter eggs as well now Director Drew Goddard actually said something that I found very interesting. He said that much of the inspiration for this movie came from growing up in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Mike, why do you think that is? I mean, I'm going to be honest, man. I'm going to assume Los Alamos, Mexico. The only thing to do there is to like New Mexico, New Mexico, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. The only thing to do there would be like, 
smoke meth or go to a grindhouse movie theater and watch shitty horror. So I feel like he was like, I mean, Breaking Bad doesn't come out for a co- for a couple decades. So let's go to the theater. So not at all. Okay, <laughs> it, all right. Fair. It actually came from seeing scientists and coworkers live because I guess out there was like a big nuclear testing military weapon site. Mm-hmm. So it came from seeing scientists and coworkers just kind of living ordinary lives while oh. building nuclear weapons that could kill us all, kind of going hand in hand with the government agency of this movie. That's that's actually really fucking clever. I did not think mm-hmm. of that. Oh my god. That that makes sense for all of the very laissez-faire attitude that all of the scientists have in the movie. Like that actually mm-hmm. like puts so much in perspective. It really does. Like, it just goes to show that, like, taking stuff from, and I'm sure Drew Goddard did, you know, grow up and watch his watch his fair share of horror movies. Seeing like the horror movie formula and saying, okay, well, what if it's like, so I got this horror movie formula, and then I, you know, make it a little bit more personal to me. Like, I, I, I just find that I just find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. And another thing I found fascinating is Chris Hemsworth. He's in this movie. He's he hey. Did not expect old Chris Hemsworth to be in this. It's it's Chris Hemsworth pre Marvel is a actually, is an oddity. Actually, it was re- it, well. I'll get into that in a second. But it was released oh. after Thor's because Thor was released in 2011, Wait. and this movie came out in 2012. Oh, I could yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I stand corrected. Chris he- Chris Hemsworth when he's not in Extraction or a Marvel movie is very out of place and you're like wait what what the hell are you doing here it's just i don't know it's i i remember him being in the movie i truly do like that is not a surprise to me but it was like him being in the movie nonetheless it made it did make me sit there and just i always go oh cool you're here oh how about that like just especially like oh, it's good to the fact that, especially when you find out like this jockey you know big strong character is a sociology major <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're like, I love the little tidbits they leave. They're like, they're like, oh, him? He's a sociology major and a big nerd. And you're like, what the fuck? You're like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. But you did mention something, okay? This movie and Thor, they came out in a very close amount of time. So Cabin in the Woods, like I mentioned, came out in 2012, but was actually in production in March of 2009. And this information that I got came from an article on ScreenRant.com, so I just wanted to give credit to them. Now, I don't <laughs> no, know if you knew yeah. this, but but Joss Whedon was involved with this movie. Joss Whedon was the producer and co-writer with this movie along with Goddard. Mm-hmm. Now, one day, um, Hemsworth had already auditioned for Thor, and he was talking to Joss Whedon about his audition. And Hemsworth told him, he was like, you know... I had this audition, um, but I just I felt like I don't think I don't think I'm gonna get it. Like he was very unsure of himself, and and Joss Whedon was like he was surprised by this. Now Joss Whedon is friends with the director of uh, the 2011 Thor, uh, Kenneth Branagh, so mm-hmm. Whedon actually reached out to the director, and Chris Hemsworth was able to film a second audition tape at his hotel room while he was still filming Cabin in the Woods, and thus was able to get the role of Thor. Loki, that's great, though. That is actually mm. fantastic. Joss mm. Whedon hooking, hooking a brother up. Damn. Dude, he, he like, was helping him out. And the thing I find so fascinating <laughs> is like, 
when you see Chris Hemsworth in this movie, this was like before he got the this was filmed before he got the role of Thor. And there's a reason mm-hmm. for that, because this was also in the craze of remember the remember the Avatar craze of making movies 3D. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the reason this movie had such a delayed release was actually because they were trying to convert it from 2D to 3D. But then eventually they just said, fuck it. It's just going to cost us too much money. Let's let's just let's just release. Let's just can get we, it out there. We all agree now. Hindsight 2020. That 3D is such a gimmick and we it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It shouldn't be a selling point in a mm-hmm. movie. Like I, I don't know. Maybe again, boomer. I'm on. I'm on my boomer. Boomer juice right now. So it's like I could. I could just be me. But I just feel like when I sit down to watch a movie, I'm not like you know what I need to do. I need Spider Man to feel like he's coming towards me. No, I'm like no. I just want the movie to be good. I don't need extra shit. I just just want it to be good. No, dude. I miss when we would go to like uh not like not like an IMAX 3D movie. But like a Shark Boy and Lava Girl, or like a Spy Kids, where they would give us like oh. those flimsy, like yes. um, paper yes. glasses. I fucking oh, miss yes. those, man. Those were like those are so gimmicky. I love them. Those are so gimmicky. <laughs> oh, miss those glasses. That was the yeah. only part of 3D that I'm like I miss. So now we are going to get to the ever important question of the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, which is, Mike, this movie were a drink, what would it be and why? I got it right here, baby. Right off the bat. No holds barred. Go Go, just raw dog in this. Pumpkin pie shot. Now, before you sit there and write it off and go, no, bullshit. I don't get it. Three quarter ounces of tequila. Because what what does Hadley say? Tequila is my lady. Tequila is my lady. Absolutely. So it fits in the movie. Then we got ourselves we got ourselves a half an ounce of pumpkin pie moonshine. You got yourself your redneck torture family. Got the pumpkin pie. All of the stereotypes of pumpkin pie come in. And then you got your redneck to really like balance out all those stereotypes. And then instead now the one I am referencing, I'm switching up. Instead of simple syrup, Throw in some fucking grenadine and a wee bit of a uh, maraschino liqueur to add that blood effect. Add that blood and that sugariness. And then just to add a little bit of comedy to it, you you put some whipped cream on top and take it like you take a blowjob shot. That went that went that went a very different route. <laughs> you, like fla- that's called- flavor. Like flavor wise, I'm not so sure, but like when you describe like the context of what all's in it, sure, I think. Hey, it makes sense. It's got all. It, it's it got does all make of sense. the moving parts. It's got all of the moving parts. It's got the tequila reference referencing the movie itself. It's got the pumpkin pie moonshine. It's got it's got your it's got your like like time time of the year specific shit. Mixed in with redneck cabin in the woods energy. You got your blood stuff, your maraschino and grenadine. And then you got your whipped cream, which is just a dumb gimmick and silliness. And you also have to wear it. And you also have to take this while wearing a polka dot shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wearing something you got from the thrift shop because it's and silly. Must, and you got to do it facing east. <laughs> Specifically... <laughs> 
facing east at 10:30 a.m. <laughs> Absolutely. On a Tuesday. All right. This is there's a lot of moving parts to this. All right. Keep up. All right. It's all about doing this right. Now, this is one of those times like there have been times like with this, like with the Scooby-Doo episode, for instance, where we went we went like the same direction, but we made it like our own. This is one of those instances where we did not go in the same direction, like not 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 at all. <laughs> all right, all right. I want to hear. I want to hear your direction. So, this is a movie of three parts. Now, I approach this from like a. Well, you'll see. So there are three parts. One is of a a somewhat normal, stereotypical you know horror film about a cabin in the woods with evil you know with college kids going out trying to just let off some steam and then you know shit happens Mm -hmm. the other is of this government agency and the last is absolute just fucking chaos where shit hits the fan like it's batshit insanity so how do we combine the three so a horror film about college kids partying in the woods where shit goes bad what would that be now let's keep in mind that these college kids are not like your stereotypical kids. In fact, they, they seem to be pretty decent members of society, I would say. They're just trying to let yeah. off some steam, but but they're still kids. So <laughs> I'm not thinking like a I'm not thinking like a jungle juice or like a natty light. Let's get some fireball. Oh let's get some, Jesus. Oh, let's get some fireball. Goodness. But we have and then we have this government cubicle agency type place. I'm not getting coffee vibes from it. It's much too sleek. It doesn't feel like, you know, lukewarm coffee at 3.30 p.m. just to get through the day. I'm feeling more like Diet Coke from the yeah. vibes I'm getting of this government agency. Okay, I right, so let's that. So let's mix the two. And then for the last, for the ending of this movie where shit just goes wild, just go get a nice, healthy serving of a Four loco. Specifically, a fruit punch. Oh, mix that all together, and you have the cabin in the woods mixed drink. There we go. All right, I gotta say, I'm gonna jump in here. I feel like, I feel like both of our cocktails, when we explain the ingredients, they make sense. Mm-hmm. But flavor wise, they're all over the place because you explained yours, and I was like, sure, that all makes relative sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. And much like mine, which makes relative sense, I guess, when you consider the ingredients together, you sit there and go, what? <laughs> you go, I'm sorry, huh? <laughs> like, what the fuck? But yeah, hell I, yeah. This this was a hard one to come up with. Like, I, at least I for agree. me. There was a lot of there were a lot of nuances to it and that mm-hmm. that I had sat there and was just kind of like mulling over on what to include how does this play a part in this like i felt like i felt like of course like when you sit there and think halloween pumpkin horror mm-hmm. halloween pumpkin that's the thought process then you mm-hmm. think uh then the guy that hadley literally say says tequila so i'm like mm-hmm. all right literally instantly ties into the movie tequila mm-hmm. and then yeah but like and then the four loco i love because that is the that's the punch in the side that you That's don't the, expect. That, that is the ending of this movie. And I also wanted to try to go with something that maybe like would taste somewhat good. Cause this, because again, this is a good movie. Yeah. 
again, I, I, I think mine would taste okay. I think mine would taste all right. Maybe the maraschino liqueur would be a little weird, but I think the, I think the other stuff, I think that works. So we're just going to take these cocktails and we're going to put a, put a pin in those for later. So guys, we're going to be getting into the movie now. So crack open your, what, what, what the fuck did you call yours? Like a pumpkin spice, a, a, a pumpkin pie in the woods, a pumpkin pie in the woods. And then go, go grab your, uh, I don't know. Mountain four loco. Mountain Cinnamon Four Loco Twist. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Mountain and, Cinnamon Four Loco Twist, baby. <laughs> there we go. Yeehaw! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a cereal drunk rednecks eat. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like an old. It sounds like a a discount name for like Mountain Dew mouth. <laughs> oh my god! Jesus. And guys, guys, let's just let's get into talking about cabin in the woods. So we get like this bloody opening title cards with like pictures of, you know, what looks like gods and, you know, statues. And then all of that immediately is juxtaposed with the true horror of the corporate break room. I'm really not sure which is more frightening. So in the scene, we meet Hadley and Citizen. They're two like, middle-aged accountant types just trying to get through the day and and they're having you know typical small talk you know talking they're talking about these are their words women's issues and they're 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 talking and trying talking about something that happened in stockholm and they're saying oh guys listen it's us and japan and you know us as the audience are sitting there thinking oh what international issue could this be where it's just the united states and japan left and they're talking about this like with all the fervor of like a workplace fantasy football team. They're just like, ah, eh, you know. I, they're talking about like betting pools and whatnot. I I just love, I love this. I love this because it's because gr- the intro is so grandiose. And then it just hard cuts to these guys talking about this thing that they're essentially considered to be mundane bureaucracy, which I am just all over. I'm like, mm. I'm like, I I'm like, I don't know what the hell this is, but I kind of dig it. <laughs> like with this movie, I really do miss like sitting down and not knowing a thing about it. That it's, is honestly the best way you can you can watch this movie. This I was about to say, if you don't know anything about this movie, do not research anything. Go into it blind. Oh my God, is it worth it? It is because it does what Max and I have been ranting and raving about for so long now. Just let the audience discover the world. You don't mm-hmm. need to tell everyone about it or ex- or, or, or exposition dump. They can figure it out on their own time. Just give them the ability to figure it out on their own time. Exactly. It's all about respecting your audience. Mm-hmm. So they're having this. So Hadley and Citizen are having this conversation. And then just kind of out of nowhere, the cabin in the woods uh title card comes up with like a screaming sound like oh, okay it's it's so like there is there are layers because it's like the screaming and the car juxtaposed with the you know corporate environment like okay what's going on so after the title card jumps on the screen we then go to the next most frightening thing 
the 2010s band of the decades okay go and i'm really surprised i didn't see any treadmills in this opening scene you're old you remember that i was about to say there's no treadmills or like any like really grandiose colorful like like event going on with like a flash mob (laughs) like little do they know that at the end of this movie it's just gonna be all the creatures just on treadmills just dancing and the lip syncing okay go or they're or like or like or like one side of them what one side of their front is painted one color and the and the back side is painted another and there's just like this really interesting pattern thing going on when we get in the merman just flopping on the ground and dancing <laughs> exactly i'm telling you a dance number as the end credits would go on would be amazing that would just be great there's all link arms just always look on the bright side of life as the ancient ones are just like rising up and just crushing the world. Yeah, exactly. And like people as they're like getting gored are just like whistling. So the characters that we meet here are Dana, a ginger artist type and Jules, who is suddenly blonde for some reason. So Dana has been bad because she's had an affair with her professor and he dumped her over email. Ruthless. Damn. Ruth. That's cold. Um, like, <laughs> was it? <laughs> well, did he now? Did he dump her by going like going like, hey, Dana, I'm sorry, but this can't go forward. BT dubs. You got a C minus on the test. Uh, I'll see you in class on Tuesday. <laughs> like <laughs> you're just like you're just like sandwich that breakup in like the middle of like, a hey, it's good to hear from you. We're done. By the way, don't forget to read chapter six through eight uh, for Soviet <laughs> economic structures. <laughs> I'm telling you, that would be great. That would be great. I would just like, I'd be like, honestly, shouts out to him. If he's like, if he's like, if it's like a single sentence embedded in between all of this, like all of this, like homework and like, like essentially like a whiteboard of like shit to do. I read your paper and I just had a couple of questions about what uh, what you were talking about in the article of, oh, by the way, we're done. Uh, I'll see you in class. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's 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 clutch. So uh, so Dana and uh, Jules are you know talking back and forth. Uh, I got a question, though, like what college do these kids go to where we have these beautiful, like stunning people talking about the soviet economic structure like i really want to know because like they pull out a book it's like they're talking about soviet economic structure and we see all of these you know we got chris hemsworth we got the the female leads it's just like you know a group of good-looking people what college is this why did i not enroll my favorite thing is i agree why did i not enroll in this college full of beautiful people that being said As someone who took economics as a major, I granted I specialized, but you know, I still did economics. Uh, we never touched on Soviet economic structure. We we kind of just went, hey, we're just gonna do structure now. Mm-hmm. And like maybe a wee bit of history so you understand what's going on. But <laughs> it's like, again, what class are they in where they're studying that? Like that's so specific. <laughs> One of the one of the many great things about college is taking just oddly specific courses that you'll never use ever again. Yeah. You're like you're like, oh, what class are you taking? Oh, I'm taking Western theology from 1445 to 1645. And you're like, what? 
You're like, I mean, I'm, I don't doubt that that's not fascinating. However, why the fuck are you taking that class? Is this like part of your major? Oh, I'm undecided. Gotcha. Oh, that, that like, makes sense. Now. That's why. That's why. <laughs> and speaking of interesting majors, Chris Hemsworth, the resident sociology major, comes into this scene and he is doing like he's doing his jock thing really good. And then, like I said, you find out he's a sociology major. And um, yeah, so he's here. There's some more bonding there. And they're talking about this other guy that they're bringing along named Holden. And Hemsworth throws the pass. Like he has a football. He throws it out the window. Holden catches it, almost gets just fucking wrecked by a car. <laughs> and then we meet Shaggy. But, I'm sorry, Marty, Marty, Marty. Oh, Fucking Marty! Dude, I love uh, Marty. Th- there were there were a few ways I was gonna take that introduction. I was like, gonna, I chose to go with Shaggy. Or I could have said, um, <laughs> so Mike, you're in this movie, and uh, I was just saying, I was like, I was like, I was like, <laughs> Mike Circa 2017 is in this movie. No, no, uh, no, yeah, no, it's he. Marty is the best. I love Marty in this movie. He is my favorite character without a shadow of a doubt. He's hysterical. Listen, I remember when I first saw Marty, specifically Marty's coffee cup bong. I was like, wow, that looks pretty cool. I wish I had one, not because I smoke weed, but because I want to show it all my friends at Bible study as an example of the classist structure and the war on capitalism and how it reflects on Matthew uh-huh, uh-huh. 125. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 real law-abiding <laughs> citizen energy there. Go looking at the click at the bong and going, I'd like to show this to my uh to my uh to my to the to my DEA officer at my school. Like, yeah, no, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, really you're really laid it on thick there, bud. <laughs> Is that a weed? I'm calling the police. And then the just the <laughs> fucking government agency from this movie comes in and then, I don't know, puts me in a metal box and has me go fight a say, clown and a unicorn. God, I would just I would just be like, I would just go up to the unicorn and be like, kill me. I'm not fighting just, a clown. You're just like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I'd be like, take me, God. <laughs> a great line in this scene, by the way, is from Marty saying cops won't pull over a man with a huge bong in his car why because they fear this man and honestly i i see absolutely zero flaw in his logic it's marty marty is a man of sound logic sound decisions and just all around like quotability i i'm telling you i i am dude i dude the Marty fucking fan club party of one right here, baby. Like, Dude, I'll fucking join you. I don't care. Hell I love yeah. Marty in this hell movie. Yeah. I love Marty in this movie. He's just, he's just awesome. Because yeah, I mean, you got Marty, you got Chris Hemsworth, and you have Holden, who I'm sure he has been in things. I don't know. I'm what? sure Holden's, I'm sure Holden's cool. He's, He's not just he's not just nerd stereotype number five. Oh, he did. He uh, provided voice acting and motion capture for Marcus in uh, Detroit Become Human, the video game. Wait. Oh, yeah, he is Marcus in Detroit Become Human. Man, that game is stupid. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, good I mean for so, him. He brought, he so, he, so he was in something. 
And of course, you got uh, Kristen Connolly and Anna Hutchinson. Again, oh, beautiful yeah. people. So it's just. But all, back to this. everyone is a hunk in this. Everyone is a hunk. Like, like all, all the guys are attractive. All the girls are attractive. Like, dude, even Marty. When I was researching for this, I actually found out that like, remember the scene by the. Well, we'll get, we're going to be getting into this later. But remember the scene by the lake where yeah. like they're all jumping in, and Marty's the yeah. one that doesn't jump in. Apparently, that uh, Mar- the actor that played Marty. Uh, let me get his name. Uh, Brand Kranz. Apparently. He was like he's like ridiculously ripped. And if ah! he took his shirt off, that would have like not that would have that wouldn't make him look like the character that he's supposed to play. He would have looked and like compared a to Chris Hemsworth. I'm telling you, dude, if Marty took off his shirt before he went to the pool, like he would have been the best propaganda to get high. Like he would have just been like been like Mears would be this high dude who's of a really sound mind and it like, makes the smartest decisions in the whole movie. Dude, Mar- Marty and okay, Marty talking in the RV later, straight up, he's talking about like society and he's talking about the man and how you know the government's doing X, Y, and Z. I'm like, dude, it really just sounds like Marty listens to like too much Joe Rogan. And may or may not start practicing like tenth planet jujitsu in a couple of years. Uh, oh Marty is God. giving off that energy. <laughs> it's Marty. Okay, now you can compare him to Joe Rogan. So Marty is less awesome, but <laughs> Marty is Marty is still cool. So the gang end up taking this RV to this worn down gas station that I'm pretty. I think it's a gas station. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they're in like Tuscaloosa. Or something yeah or uh or valdosta yeah yeah we just you know or thomasville or thomasville georgia why not why not i was about to say i was about to say oh you you back up leave tuscaloosa out of this i mean it's true but leave tuscaloosa <laughs> out of this i was like i'm not wrong no i was about to say you're you're very correct but in any case so they're walking through this gas station trying to you know get some gas as you do and Holden gets inside when suddenly he gets jump scared by the, I don't know, a creepy electrician. I, I, I don't know. That that's kind that was kind of like the, the Oh, the guy who runs a gas station? Yeah, I don't know. Like when I was looking at him, I was like, he looks like a really creepy electrician. That was just the energy I, that I was getting from him. I, I don't know I why. Just, I just instantly saw that and I just thought of like all of the fucking horror movies, like Children of the Corn. Fucking Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm. the other ones that have like the gas that have the classic like go to the gas station and the and the, and the creepy people are like you should not go there and and I th- like I think the they call the, are I think like they, what do you know? Yeah, I think they call them like the Harbinger in this movie. Uh, the yeah, the Harbinger. government guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and he gives like something. He he has a great line because he's talking with the group. And he's like, you know, trying to like creep them out, scare them, give them like an over the top performance. And he's like, I've been here since the war. And, you know, the jewels, one of the, you know, principal ones says, oh, uh, which war were you in? And he just pipes up and says, oh, you know, damn well, which war? And I'm like, oh, OK, you're like, you're like, I mean, I have a I have a general idea, but, you know, maybe narrowing it down would have been a little more helpful. And to like get get away from the situation, Chris Hemsworth just unpromptly just throws money at the guy, and then just they just drive away. 
And it, the thing about this scene is it feels stereotypical. It is stereotypical. Like, yeah, this movie came out in 2012. That scene had been done to death by this point. But with the undertone of the government agency, it just leaves you asking questions of, okay, how is this all connected? And I think this really goes mm-hmm. to show that, like, do even though you're doing something cliche, you have to throw it in with something a little bit different to put your own unique twist on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. What what I also love about it is that is that this whole scene, it's cliched as shit. And they and they do acknowledge the fact that it's cliched as shit, but they don't try and take the take that known fact that it's cliched away from actually working on the scene and making mm-hmm. it actually be like actually be a little on the scary side or at least unnerving at the very least unnerving because like if you sit there and rob a scene of its agency like as the scene is going on you're not gonna give a shit you're gonna go oh okay whatever oh oh ha 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 it's a joke move on versus like they go through the scene the scene ends and then they joke about it and you're like okay cool you're like, I can look now, look back on the scene and giggle about it. And it and it still has weight. It never lost its weight. Yeah, I, I swear. I I love this movie, guys. This is this is <laughs> Oh yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. so refreshing we when we can actually cover a like decent to good movie <laughs> on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so moving on from this scene, we get the we get the group driving through this tiny ass tunnel when we see a bird, and then all of a sudden it hits a force field for some reason. Mm. What well, what's going on? What's up? The plot. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the plot. Much the like plot a bowl of oatmeal, much like the oatmeal that you cook on the stovetop, the plot thickens. It thickens. The plot oatmeals. So the plot. The plot. <laughs> the oatmeal plots. The oatmeal plots. <laughs> that's that's just like we're gonna start showing out our own brand of oatmeal now. The messed up at midnight brand of beer oatmeal no it's plot oatmeal plot oatmeal (laughs) plot oatmeal all you need to do is give it a lot a lot a lot of context and then it will start thickening on its own you just need to describe something in very very great detail and it will begin to thicken there's like i'm here for it let's go so the gang now has officially arrived at the evil dead house (laughs) no I mean, Literally. I mean, you, 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 th- you think is. You, you really would think like these kids, like if they, if like their friend and especially like in 2011, 2012, when this movie came out, if they're like, hey, you want to go uh, go to this remote cabin in the woods where there's nobody around? And then we see this harbinger of death. You guys want to go party in this cabin? They'd probably be like, yeah. no, no, I don't. Hey, uh, no. well, the follow up question is, how much is the Airbnb? Well, Airbnb wasn't was Airbnb a thing back in twenty? Oh, that's 20? right, it wasn't. This was back in this was back in back in the dark ages, back when yeah, back I, when it was a friend's cabin. Yeah, I believe the context is that this cabin belongs to Kurt's cousin. Mm-hmm. So, well, I have some questions about that that I'll try to remember to get into later. So they've arrived at this house, and I love how like Marty again praising Marty is just like, dude, guys, I don't know about this one. I, I got a bad I got a bad feeling about this. So they mm-hmm. all divide up into different rooms and Holden goes to this one room and sees like a creepy picture hanging up and he's he's like, Nope, I do not like that. So he picks it up and like 
puts it down, tries to get it out of sight, out of mind. And then he looks up and he is looking directly into Dana's room. And mm-hmm. it's like a two way mirror type thing. And he, she, he, she begins to change and, you know, good guy Holden just pipes up and says, wait, hold up things. Things are, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't, I really don't yeah. know about this one. You know, so, you know, even though, even though it is a Hollywood movie, Holden chooses to go and not listen to <laughs> Hollywood at that time and just be a normal human being. And he chooses to go, ah, oh, yeah, no, no, we don't vibe with this. He's like, oh, good guy Holden. But like, it's weird because like Holden like talks to Dana and they, you know, talk back and forth. Oh, it's like supposed to be cutesy bonding. They're supposed to be getting together. And Holden agrees to switch rooms with Dana. But now it's Dana that's a creep watching Holden change. I was about to say, it, it is very weird that he, with that knowledge, was like, was like, let's just swap. It's cool mm-hmm. if you watch me, but I want me watching you. That's where things go wrong. And you're like, <laughs> like was, you're like, you're like, hold your heart's in the right place, but I don't think that's entirely correct. And I just love how like immediate, like he knows the two-way mirror is there. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to get naked anyways. <laughs> I was about to say, that's my favorite part is he's like, I'm like, I'm like, Holden, Holden is laying it on thick if he knows that the mirror is like, is there still. He's like, I mean, you know, they are trying to get him together. It's like the nerd, the quote unquote nerd and the virgin. They're Mm -hmm. supposed to get together in these types of movies, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, if Chopping Mall has taught us anything, it's that they do. Fucking Ferdy and what's her fucking name? God, dude, throw back to one of our earlier episodes, shit. I was about to say, I was about to say, man. All about the callbacks. <laughs> we haven't done a Bucky Larson callback in this in this episode and yet. We won't. Maybe, and we, we won't. won't. We're going to leave that dead and buried in, in the past. I was about to say, I'm cool with that. Would leave it. I, we we buried that hatchet. We don't need to go dig it up again. Remember, we said this. Remember, we said this. So anyway, they switch rooms, and then we transition to the government agency watching them. So even though they switch rooms, they they have cameras set up all in this cabin, and they're throwing out a lot of terms. They're Talking about, oh, tampering with libido levels and pheromones and like, okay, so there's something at there's something at play here. And then the harbinger calls the government agency. So, oh, he's working for them. Mm-hmm. And I love how even the government guys are like, I, I, I just I just cannot deal with this guy. He He's just so obnoxious. And then he just starts monologuing. The government guys put him on speaker. And and they just start they just start trolling him. I'm like, you can't just let him have some fun at his job. Like he got a he got a he got a theater degree for this, guys. See, I was about to say, I was like, I was like, okay. First off, this dude is trying so goddamn hard. Everyone knows what's going on. Everyone's down with it. For this guy to just roll it and just start laying it on thick, like he's some high priest in a fantasy movie you're like oh, okay all right back up dog you you hang out at a gas station and scare people all right let's not get ahead of ourselves calm down jimmy you got a theater degree at your local community college we Just... get it mordecai you went to juilliard <laughs> did did he though 
Did he though? I was though? about to say. I was about to say. We went to Juilliard. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. So he, we hear. So we go back to. We go to the lake. This is the scene that I was talking about. That where Marty is like wearing all of the clothes because apparently Marty is just yoked to the fucking gills. <laughs> and then this scene is pretty much just oh, college kids being college kids. So we get thrown back to the agency, where we get betting. Because nothing screams HR problems like a company gambling pool. It's delicious, man. You're Dude, sitting I, there, and it's like, I, it's just the whole time, I'm just sitting there going like, going like, yeah, okay. One, I'm getting context into who these people are. I'm getting context into how this whole thing rolls. Like, oh my god, I love, I love the gambling scenes in this movie. That's low-key, I think those are some of the best moments. Yet one of the things that I love about these gambling scenes is the whiteboard, which has a lot of terms on it. And I'm I'm going to do you all the honor of reading because I actually have the whiteboard pulled up right here. Oh, Mike, Mike, if I'm Mike, if I miss anything, let me know. I got one biggin. I got one biggin. Outside of that, I will tell you no. I will tell you which ones. Okay, so. Okay, let me just get some breaths in. I'm going to try to go through this fast. We have werewolf, alien beast, mutants, wraiths, zombies, reptilicus, clowns, witches, sexy witches, demons, hell, hell lord, angry, angry molesting tree, giant snakes, deadites, Kevin, mummy, the bride, uh, the scarecrow folk, snowman, dragon bat, vampires, dismemberment goblins, sugar plum fairy, merman, the reanimated, unicorn, the, what the fuck is that, the, I the I don't even know I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, Sasquatch, uh, Wendigo, Sasquatch slash Wendigo slash Yeti, dolls, the doctors, zombie redneck torture family, jack o' lanterns, giants, and twins. I'm glad you re- mentioned Reptilicus, baby. Dude, good old okay. Reptilicus is an option. Okay, so like I I hadn't I didn't look at the whiteboard until we started recording this uh, podcast, and Mike mentioned to me there's a Reptilicus reference in this in this movie and i was like where is it and i was like oh that that makes sense i just gotta say i gotta say we here at the messed up at midnight podcast plan to have everything interconnected we always plan things out it's all interconnected and i'm telling you this movie these movies does our job for us there's no we don't even need to try with this one it's Mm -hmm. the messed up at midnight's multiverse is ever expanding in in more ways than one. Yeah, this this messed up at midnight universe. We're gonna have a web <laughs> at some point. We're gonna be like that one meme where it's like all the red lines behind us. Like it's out there. It's, the truth is out there. You guys listen to us. And this also like, goes to show like, that this that this was made by movie fans. If they mention mm-hmm. fucking reptilicus, I was about to say again. They throw in a lot of references, like the fucking uh, the, the what the molesting trees is a reference to the original uh, Evil, Evil Dead, Dead. Mm-hmm. not Evil Dead Two, but the the original Evil Dead. And there's a, I'm sure there's a host of them, but the Reptilicus one stood out to me the most because I saw, I saw, I was watching the movie, I saw the Reptilicus reference, and I was like, hey, I was like, I know that movie, that movie sucks. I just want to know one thing. Who the fuck is Kevin? 
Is Kevin one of those one of the torture? Ke- Kevin's one of the options. I love that. Kevin is fear. Kevin is Kevin is Kevin is the one who knocks. Kevin breaks bad. I'm trying I'm trying to see if I, I'm trying to see if I can get any information on Kevin. That has to be that has to be one of those inside jokes that like the cast and crew do. Well, they'll sit there and just and just like throw in their buddy's name because they think it's hilarious. Hmm. I, I'm sure there's some guy named Kevin, like Kevin James, not Kevin James. It's Kevin James. You just see Paul Blart come what? out of the water and he's like sitting there munching on a Snickers ready to kill someone. Well, dude, wasn't Kevin, didn't Kevin James also play like a neo-Nazi in a film? What? What? I'm, I'm pretty... Kevin James plays a neo-Nazi. Bro, he plays like a he's... neo-Nazi or someone that's trying to kill like this family. It's American History XXL. American History. Okay, hold up. <laughs> Guys, we're transitioning. We're not talking about this. We're talking about Paul Blart and how it's all a metaphor for the Nazis. Okay, so here we I go. Just... I I was just I Paul Blart is a neo Nazi. I want that movie. Can we just have a fucking? Can we just have Paul Blart shave his head and just get neck tattoos and just get like fucking hardcore and shit, but still be diabetic and like and like helping his family? Okay, I'm very hesitant because I'm not sure how far we should take this bit. So I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kill it just right here before we. Make that Nazi joke that's just a little bit too far. <laughs> I was about to say someone's gonna someone's gonna make a joke involving some some group of people that's gonna make it bad. Oh my god! American <sighs> History XXL American History fucking XXL. comes out of the water. <laughs> okay, so where were we? So we'll we'll we're just gonna leave Kevin alone for right. Just leave Kevin alone, guys. Leave him alone. <laughs> Kevin alone. I'm serious. So also in this scene with the um with the whiteboard, we hear talk of a mysterious director, and we hear talks of like free will, ignoring the harbinger, and you know, okay, so this is all about a much a bigger plan. So we cut to a college cabin party where they're drinking <laughs> and playing truth or dare. This this honestly feels like more like they're like a high school party or a middle school or like a middle school church retreat gonna say the same thing gonna say the same goddamn thing like truth or fucking dare dude because mike mike i don't know about you but like in my in my college days of um of bible study we 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 wouldn't we wouldn't play truth or dare that that wasn't that wasn't our thing we we at the university of alabama we were nothing but children of jesus we all we did was we held hands, we prayed, we sang some hymns. Uh, there was none of this drinking or tomfoolery that occurred. And definitely no tomfoolery that incurred fucking truth or dare. <laughs> yeah, over at my over at uh, my place, it was more beer pong and video games. So Marty yeah. dares Jules to this. Was, this was the part that threw me off guard with this movie that I really kind of didn't like. He said, make out with that moose over there. And it's a wolf hanging on the wall. 
I'm like, it, it really sounds like he's smoking crack and losing his vision. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Okay, so without the reference context, it makes no goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. But I, amongst a very tiny group of people, understood the reference. That is a reference to the Evil Dead Two, when. When, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, 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 when he's hanging Ash out, when... is sitting there seeing the moose laugh at him, and then it transitions and it's a wolf. That that is it's, one. That, it's like that the moose is up. like it's a, it's a head of a moose and it's laughing at him, and he's like, and then he's like, what? And then he like stops hallucinating. It's just a wolf. And you're like, oh shit. That is one that went over my head. Good job for catching that. You, I'm, I hey man, I got this weird useless knowledge. It might as well use it somewhere. <laughs> So Jules does this like whole skit. So Jules is kind of getting a little bit slutty and Chris Hemsworth is getting more of like, you know, like a, like a frat bro and Holden's becoming like more of a, yeah. yeah, jockish and Holden's becoming more of a nerd. And it's like, everyone's kind of like going to their extreme. So Jules does this like whole skit, like talking to the wolf. She's not even like looking at the others. She's, she's getting like a, a little, a little too into this like it really makes me question like what's going on in like her and chris hemsworth relationship in this movie like would would it with the, would the things that they're doing make make Peta mad should we be concerned <laughs> Peta gets mad <laughs> Peta gets mad at just about everything but yeah you know probably get mad at this podcast yes. so so anyway she she ends up kissing the wolf and uh but one thing i never pointed out chris hemsworth in this scene Wearing a varsity letterman jacket and he's in college. It's 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 so odd. It's so odd. He doesn't I think it's I oh I'd be willing to bet and like I'd I even would was willing to write it off as like because the pheromones are like really kicking in and people are mm-hmm. falling into stereotypes, like it just was a fucking like they're just falling into stereotypes so hardcore that he's just like throwing on a varsity jacket. She's got her hair blonde. Like the nerd is wearing glasses, even though he didn't before. Like, but but listen, he is already out here at this cabin before the pheromones started affecting him. So that means he had to have brought it from somewhere. So this hey, was a hey. conscious choice. Hey, hey, the girl dyed her hair blonde, which apparently had pheromones in it. I'm telling you, man, they thought this shit through. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, at least he doesn't have like, you know, the, the, the a tattoo of the score to his senior year homecoming game oh, on, his, on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at, at least yeah. he doesn't have he, that. At least he doesn't. At least he doesn't give the same vibes that Uncle Rico does in Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Where he's just, where he's just like, I could throw a spiral, spiral like seventy yards. <laughs> like, listen, right, if I saw yeah, like, yeah. if I saw like Chris Hemsworth turn into Uncle Rico as time went on, it'd be like, does does he have, does he like, I don't know, smoke meth and just binge on pizza? Like, are things okay? <laughs> I was about to say, Fat Thor becomes a reality, <laughs> and not just a fat suit that he puts on. So anyway, the base like. So this whole party's going on, and the basement door gets flung open, like like fucking hard. And Hemsworth is all just like, "Oh, it must have been the wind." And Marty, Marty again, the voice of reason, because all good movies have to have that. Is like, what sense does that make? So, <laughs> love so these, Marty. 
Dude, Marty, 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 Marty's the man. Marty's a god. Marty's a man. <laughs> Marty's a Marty's a Marty's a lad. So he, so they all decide to go down into the basement. And actually, Dana gets dared to go down into the basement. So again, actual children. So she's down there, and we get a lot of really cool props in this scene, each looking like very unique. And you can tell each one has like a story behind it. Like we get a conch shell a music box, a sphere puzzle, a diary, an old film projector. All of these props, like, shout out to the prop department, because this shit, the, all of these look really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They they look so awesome. This whole scene, it's so cool just to see how they turned all of those, like, all of your classic monsters into, like, little, like, trigger toys. Super cool. Super, super mm-hmm. cool. So each character is holding a prop, and, like, they're about to do something with it like activate it or put it on when dana starts reading a diary of anna buckner and it sounds like the diary of a republican's like great great grandparents i was about to say it's just nothing but violence and papa was mad at me because i said i thought (laughs) you're not allowed to think kid i'm about to say think it's a man's job so some, there's something something written in Latin, and Marty is just like, hey, let's not read that. And then just a random disembodied voice is just like, read it. Read it out loud. <laughs> and Marty's just like, okay, what the fuck is that? I, I love, again, it's so great. It's so great because you literally have like, you literally have the commentary that's going on in your head. Like he's being voiced by Marty because it's just you did because he literally goes read it and, Mar- and Marty goes Marty's like what the hell he's like I I don't think we should do that so what do they do they Dana reads it and it raises a family of uh, evil redneck zombies and then we go back to the betting pool and by the way surprise maintenance wins so they they all had bet like oh who, like what are they gonna summon. And, uh, yep, it's, it's the zombie redneck torture family. And to be fair, when we see the family rise from the ground, it is indeed a zombie redneck torture family. My favorite thing is the little like quip where it's one of the, one of the scientists, she goes up and goes, but I had that too. I should win. And then, and then not Hadley, but the other one goes, oh no, you had zombies. They had zombie redneck torture family. <laughs> She's like, damn it. Only the line is I, just like it's, it's like the relation. It's like the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. <laughs> I tell you, dude, it's small shit that made that like adds color to the world. I fucking love it. I mean, it really is. And like another thing that like adds some color is like one of the guys. I can't remember if it's Hadley or Citizen. Um, it's their their obsession. With the merman. Oh, it's Hadley. It's yeah, Hadley. Hadley is obsessed with the merman. Dude, Hadley just Hadley just wants to see a merman. They're like, dude, like, I don't like the merman. It's just so much to clean up after. I, yeah, I like that he goes, he had it! He had it in his hand! He was gonna blow it! So, as they're talking, we see, like, a bunch of monitors in the background, and it's like, Stockholm, failed. Buenos Aires, failed. And showing all these different places, and I'm like, okay, and then it goes to Japan where it looks like the grudge has taken over, like, a classroom. Yeah. 
So Jewel, so we go back to the cabin and everyone's just falling farther in their stereotype because now Holden is because now Holden is wearing glasses. Um Jules is doing a strip tease, which, you know, she she has she's getting her degree in pre-med. So, like, you know, if things don't work out with pre-med, I'm sure she can find another way to make a living. I was about to say. And well, it's no, like, it's 2011. As, uh, OnlyFans hasn't come out yet, but all right. Uh, I mean, you know, like. You know, she can knuckle down for a couple of years, you know. Knuckle down, like like she's knuckle down before for a only, test. knuckle down like before she, OnlyFans comes out. You know, she, she'll be fine. I love that. I love that you just told someone who is out like ten years before OnlyFans is a is a thing, and you're like, just knuckle down, like like, like you just just hold out, just hold out, keep strong, hold, hold out ten years. You got this. It's not that long of a time. <laughs> So Marty's like beginning to feel really uncomfortable watching Thor's girlfriend like stripping and getting all close to him like and then after this Thor and Jules end up sneaking off into the wilderness together and Marty's trying to talk with Dana saying the things like we said earlier on this podcast when does Kurt pull this alpha male crap he's a sociology major on a full academic scholarship (laughs) if someone started like talking to me like this and they were a sociology major I'd just be like hey man Lower your voice when you're talking to me. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, you're like, you're like, all right, all right. You, you did not go captain of the football team, then turn around and go, I'm going to be a sociology major. If you did, I mean, good for you. Good for you or whatever. But like, it's weird to see Chris Hemsworth and just like as a sociology major go full alpha male. But I agree. I agree. I'd be like, I'd be like, all right, tone it down. Tone it down, cupcake. <laughs> let's, 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 let's ease up. Now let's get back to talking about Marty because there are certain times within this movie where his character is written really well. He's saying exactly what we're saying, but then he has dialogue, which like I can only describe as being written by like a youth pastor who is like fine with weed, but has never smoked it. And he's trying to write a weed smoker. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Marty does get a little like, a little like, are you really smoking weed? Like, are you really, really smoking that stuff? Because yeah, like, I, I, he has some moments where, where you're like, I don't think you know what weed's like. Yeah, because he, he said something like, puppeteers, Pop-Tarts. I'm going to go read a book with pictures in it and then just walks away like... <laughs> It's it's just like shit like that, like sandwiched between. I don't know. It, it feels a little. It feels a little odd. But again, this is like a comedy horror film, and it and it did make me laugh. So I was about to say it succeeded in what it wanted to do. So I'm not like super mad. Mm. Yeah. So as this is all going on, uh, Dan and Holden they're sitting around having a nice time. Thor and Jules they're off, you know, fornicating in the woods some reason i I never understood that that just seems like it would be like you know a lot of dirt in some uncomfortable places yeah so like a group of like like this is this is a weird scene because it's like these real people out in the woods you know having sex and then we cut to like the government agency where a group of like 20 or 30 like middle-aged men and women are sitting around and watching from a control room to see if she's going to expose herself a little bit (laughs) it's 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 so it's so it's so just jarring the switch 
because you as the viewer are also sitting there just like just like watching 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 this girl best do striptease and then it just like it feels almost like the movie just literally turned the camera around for a little bit with the way that with the way that they're watching it's it's just kind of funny well, it's like, and the t- technician's like, okay, it's okay. I'm just going to make it a little bit colder. So she's going to have to take her, or like, it's going to have to make it a little bit warmer. So she's going to have to take her clothes off or unleash some pheromones or some shit. Like, he's talking like a really creepy porn director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, come on, but he's just like, come on, show us the goods and like saying some like, creepy <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, they, they definitely, they definitely pull off the like, pull off the like, all right, this is the part of the job you shouldn't enjoy as much. So they're doing all this, and out of nowhere, like, a motherfucking knife comes in and stabs him in the hand. Thor tackles, like, the zombie redneck torture family. They're coming down on him. Thor tackles a redneck zombie, and he gets stabbed. One of them has a bear trap, which is fucking awesome. He uses it as a weapon against jewels. She gets killed by, like, a giant saw. While Thor watches, like it's this this whole scene. I'm just like, okay, yeah, here we go. Now it's picking up. I was was about to say, I was about to say, it's it's so nice. I'm just going to keep reminding myself. It's so nice that a movie showed you all of the pieces, put all of the pieces on the board, and then went to move them, Mm -hmm. and they didn't take one piece show it to you, put it down, and then move it, and then just, like, repeat with, like, with, like, half of them. Mm-hmm. And then just the other, like, half that it didn't do anything with, it just shows up randomly. Like, no, it presents everything, presents the scenario, and then moves forward. It's so nice. It's so goddamn nice. This is just showing us, like, okay, we're, we're relishing in this, guys. I'm I'm loving this. So the technicians, they say a quick prayer, and they pull a lever, which does something. We don't quite know yet. And here's some, here's the point where I wanted to ask you a question, Mike. Is the zombie redneck torture family scary? Were you scared by them? Or were you more interested with the behind the scenes of, okay, what's going on here? I was not scared by them. But I was, but I did sit there and just, just go like, just sit there and go, Wow, the set design for this is great. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was, I was like, I sat there and just looked at the makeup and like as someone who has had to go into like professional makeup before, mm-hmm. like I sat there and just saw them and I went, wow, I really like to see the makeup process. Not necessarily the behind the scenes of the movie, but like the behind the scenes of the story. Like, okay, why is this government agency? Why oh, are they, oh, why are they in here? The world. I thought you, I thought you meant like, like of the movie, and I was like, I mean, to I mean, be, to be, bit. that's a, that's a fair question, you know. I'm yeah, always intrigued no, no, no. behind I the mean, scenes. Also, also, I mean, the world is very deep. Like, if mm-hmm. someone did like a thing on Japan, like a movie on the cabin in the woods, but in Japan, and it mm-hmm. was like totally removed from the story, I would have been okay with it. I would have mm-hmm. been okay with it just because. It had been set up, it looked interesting, and then showed you just enough to mm-hmm. keep the story moving, but also they added enough color to it to where you're interested in it and ha- and like actually want to see it. Mm-hmm. So after they all after they pull the lever and Jules dies, we go back to the cabin. 
where Marty walks out and sees, you know, Dana and Holden. They're making out because, you know, of course, it's trying to be a stereotypical horror movie after all. So Marty goes out to like take a second to get outside. And he's just standing there. When we see something, it's not quite, you can't really quite see it, but we see something moving in the background heading towards Marty. Like, what's this? Like, it's focusing on Marty, but we just kind of like see a shape moving in the background. It's getting closer and closer. I love when movies do this. It's just kind of like a little shape moving that that brings your attention. We're not trying to draw focus to it. It's just there. And then the tension that's being built up by this is immediately cut by Thor running in, freaking out. They turn around to sprint into the house when they see little Abby Buckner walking towards them. She's missing an arm. And what does and what is this? And what does Thor do to defend himself against this little zombie girl? He fucking clotheslines her. That's what he does. That's awesome. I love this. I love this. I love he sits there, turns around, fucking swings his fucking meat hook of an arm and just and just clothesline. It's so great. I'm like, this is the action horror that I have signed up for when I watched Kevin in the Woods. You know, I bet like producers were like saw that one specific shot and they were like, oh, we got to get this guy to play Hulk Hogan. Like we we got to get Chris Hemsworth to play Hulk Hogan in the future. <laughs> you're like you're like they they just saw him and just went. He could rock a handlebar mustache. Just, that's our guy. You know he actually is though. Chris Hemsworth is what? actually pl- Chris Hemsworth is actually playing Hulk Hogan in a biopic. Son of a bitch, really? Yeah. <laughs> all because Hell of this. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> now no, I gotta do it's... now, dude. Now all we gotta do is get Chris Hemsworth saying some like racist shit on tape. And then boom, there we go. That, yeah, I was about to, and being a set and being like a a sex tape at the age of like sixty something. The Hulkster. Who would have thought we would be talking about Hulk Hogan in our review of Cabin in the Woods? Not Ugh. me. Definitely not fucking me. So like they all come in and they're all Dana Dana and Horn are like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Dana opens the door to go out, like they're saying, like. Chris Hemsworth saying, Jules is dead, Jules is dead. And Dana opens the door to go look for her. And uh, yeah, yeah, Dana finds Jules. Because the big zombie man throws her head at Dana. That's awesome. Her severed head. Oh, it's so, it's so badass. It's so badass. He sits there and tosses the head. And you just see, just like as the blood coming out. And you just see the eyes are wide. And it's just so, it's just, you're just. As a viewer, you're just sitting there left going, hell yes. You're like, yes, this is this is what I was asking for. So the the gang, they all come together like, okay, we need to play it safe and we have to stick together. That's not gonna do for the for the technicians. With the press of a button, they're like the um gang is just like, this isn't gonna do. Like we we need to split up. So they each go to their individual room. Mart we go with Marty first. He breaks the lamp and finds a tiny camera in the lamp and he starts freaking out thinking he's on like a reality show. Boom. Zombie woman comes in, tries to kill him to sit. Um, But Marty, like before he dies, he has a coffee mug bong to go toe to toe with Judith Buckner. And it doesn't work. And he gets dragged (laughs) down to the place 
that we'll get to later. So they pull the lever, mm-hmm. but then there's an earthquake. Something's not right. We'll come back to that. So Dana and Holden work together to keep the zombie rednecks at bay. And then they go back into the cellar via a trapdoor, which this house has a lot of. This this, this fucking cabin has more trapdoors than Chris Angel's house. So <laughs> mind like, freak, mind freak. And he opens like another trapdoor forms. I was about to say, and it doesn't have hit. And it's definitely not just like special effects or a team <laughs> that's holding him on strings. So they're in this Buckner kill room, but it's nothing to worry about, right? No, we're just playing. Uh, Daddy Redneck comes in with his bear trap, gets Holden with it. Holden doesn't die. When Dana uses a piece of metal right through his, like, like his face? It was like his face yeah. or his throat? It's his face. Yeah, this looked awesome, by the way, which the, the practical effects in this movie are awesome. Right? They're actually fucking insane. Like, they don't sit there and rely too heavily on CG, and they don't do the thing that I hate where they sit there and they pan away. They sit there and they show it and it's great effects. Like, oh, I dig it. I definitely, definitely dig it. Yeah, I want to get uh, There's something I want to tell you about the visual, the uh, practical effects a little bit later. But mm-hmm. not but not yet. Not yet. I want to I want to I want to save that for I want to save that for later on in the review. So, so far, all of the Buckners have been pretty easy to take care of, all things considered. I mean, all they really needed was like a crowbar and running. That's it. Oh, yeah. So, so they, so, um, Dana, Holden, and Chris Hemsworth, they all get together and they go to the RV when we cut to Japan, who I guess they ended up killing the grudge and turning it into a frog. Happy day for (laughs) them, I guess. We get one of the technicians standing by one of the TVs of like happy children singing a song and cynically leaning in and just saying, fuck you. Uh, I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm like sitting there going like I've had those days too, man, where someone succeeds and you know for a fact that means that you failed. And you're just like, and you're like, God damn it. I'm oh, go to hell. How dare you celebrate? So, yeah, they. They're like trying to figure out, like, okay, th- this is like the last shot of something. So then they see the gang leaving. But then the technicians are putting two and two together. Like, wait, d- did we detonate the tunnel? And they check. No, they didn't detonate the tunnel. So it turns into a race against time. As the RV drives to the tunnel, the technician heads to detonate the tunnel. And honestly, like someone's going to get fired because of this. So oh, yeah. what they need to what they had to do is like connect two wires together. Um, the gang is almost through the almost through the tunnel when it starts collapsing. So Chris Hemsworth and like pulling some fast and furious type shit, like backs up the RV in this tight ass tunnel and manages to get out unscathed. Oh yeah. It's it's great. It's great. You're just watching it the whole time. And it's actually pretty gripping. You're like, oh, nice. You're like, oh, oh, are they going to make it out? Is someone going to get like gored or something? It's introducing conflict through like each scene. It's like, okay, they got through this object. They got through um, this object. Now they have to get through this next thing. Oh, shit. But this is happening now. How are they going to get past this? So it's mm-hmm. like it's like it's like a game of chess between the government agency and this group of people that are literally just trying to survive. So great. 
So they're they're all sitting around like, well, fuck, what like what are we gonna do now? Like they can't leap the cliff, can they? Can they? Chris Hemsworth <laughs> is like, all right, I'm gonna channel my inner evil Knievel, get on this motorbike, and I'm gonna go make this jump, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna bring cops, helicopters, and and large fucking guns for jewels, man. Absolutely, hell yeah, he's. He's revving up his bike. He's at peak jock energy right here. He is like, it is, he, he doesn't bleed. He, he just bleeds testosterone now. Like it is just, he is just ready. Dude, those pheromones they've been giving him shouldn't have been pumping him with like TRT. Like, I mean, my, my, <laughs> man's, my man's testosterone ratio is probably like 20 to one right now. He's like, I fucking got this guys. I fucking got this. <laughs> Because I swear to God, I'm gonna jump this canyon on my dirt bike. You're like, yeah. You're like, so, hell yeah, you will. So what does he do? He gets in the dirt bike, backs all the way up, goes for the jump. He hits the cliff, and he runs into a giant force field. Mm-hmm. Imagine seeing that shit in like another horror movie. It's it's just like a normal like you know, it's like the Evil Dead, but he like goes to like jump over a cliff, and then boom, force field. It only works in this movie. I was about to say it works. It's like, it's like, it's so interesting. Like the movie has set it up so well, has made everything fit so meticulously that when it introduces something as like, as like potentially shark jumping Mm -hmm. as a force field, it does not phase you. You're like, I mean, they, I mean, I know they did the whole thing with the bird in the first bit, but like, Mm -hmm. I still stand by it. It would have taken you out of it. You would have been like, oh, well, now they're just throwing shit in. But like, Mm -hmm. no, like this, you're like, you're like, oh, now this is hard. You're like, okay, now this is hardcore. With what they've set up with this government agency, it's kind of does make you think like, okay, what is What's going on? What is the explanation? Because it's mm-hmm. like the zombie redneck torture family is like a smaller part of this bigger issue that's going on. Yeah. So Dana and Holden, they start driving the RV through the woods. They're, they're trying to think of something to get out. And Dana's going to think, you know, maybe maybe Marty was right. Maybe there is something about puppeteers. And, you know, maybe I need to listen to Alex Jones <laughs> and Joe Rogan. <laughs> Do I need to smoke DMT and eat elk meat? Like, maybe, maybe that Marty's onto something. So he starts, so she's thinking these things. And all of a sudden, a zombie redneck is in the RV and then stabs Holden in the throat, throat sliced. They crash the RV into the lake, but Dana survives. And so does the redneck zombie reaching for her leg. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish we saw something here because, like, I think having a, you know, drowning car and the killers in the car with you that could have been that could have been something cool but like budget restrictions that'd probably be a little bit expensive so so dan ends up like getting out of the getting out of the car the zombie redneck reaches and doesn't get anything so she goes she lays on the this dock by the lake for a second and we go to the technicians and they're all all celebrating like okay Mm -hmm. well you know what what what's going on so they're explaining like, okay, we don't need to kill the virgin because it's optional as long as it's last. So we get this speech by the technician, very passionate about the heart, this final girl. 
her will to survive and, you know, get past these things. And is immediately distracted by tequila, which if that's not this podcast in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Absolutely. Absolutely. What can I say? We're sitting there having these really heartfelt discussions on cinema and all of this. And then we go, but tequila and drinking. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so fitting. And that's why that is one of my favorite fucking quotes that, and that, and that, and when they're in the cabin and Chris Hemsworth goes, we should split up. And then Marty goes, really? Really? <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> God. Oh, so God, I love this movie. Dude, this this movie this movie is like in one of our the messed up at midnight official picks. I would say. Oh yeah, this is a this messed up at midnight seal of approval stamp stamp of stamp of certified certified trashed. <laughs> you can get trashed while watching this movie, and it's still a good movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it turns so it turns out Daddy Buckner is still alive. And he's going to kill Dana on the dock, and the technicians could not give less of a shit. It's like a corporate government party while this person is clearly visibly suffering, which is somehow also a representation of America if I've ever seen one. I was about to say, that's the most that is the most America shit I've ever seen. Is like is like all these like corporate types are just like all like having their own little business party as there's this one person in the background fucking fighting for their life <laughs> just and everyone's like woo shots so the technician is give so the technician um hadley or citizen is giving the technicians uh um sorry the demolition team a difficult time so you're like oh yeah you know y'all almost cost us and that one they're like no we we really didn't that wasn't our fault like, no, no no we're dead serious we did not cause that and then the red phone starts ringing Something's not right, the higher powers say. So Dana is about to be done in by the bear trap. She's so close to death, you can almost feel it, when suddenly the motherfucking coffee bong comes back to the rescue. The coffee bong knocks Daddy Buckner into the water. Guys, Marty is still with us. Marty is is still still here. He's still there, baby. It's going to take more than a fucking... It's going to take more than a fucking redneck zombie person to fucking kill Marty. No, Mar- Marty Marty will never die. Mar- Marty, you try to kill him and he's going to go ultra instinct on your ass. <laughs> ultra instinct Marty. Marty. <laughs> Marty's already ultra instinct. Apparently, if he takes off his shirt, he's huge. <laughs> Motherfucker is yoked and probably has 0% body fat on him. God damn, Fran Kranz. Hell yeah. <laughs> So Marty leads Dana to this gravesite when it's actually something else. Oh yeah, and Marty dismembered a zombie with a trowel. This movie's so much fun. So it's an elevator. So there's so like, you know, you would think Marty would say, Hey, don't go down the creepy sci-fi horror elevator, but he's like, No, no, no. You need you gotta come check this out. So they're in this elevator when they see total darkness. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, it's a werewolf. Then they cut to another angle. Oh, it's a, sc- it's a screaming ghost. Then again, mm-hmm. oh, it's like a dancing, like creepy ballerina that's like got like a hole for a head. 
And then we see, boom, knockoff pinhead. Oh, yeah. And pinhead's holding, like, the knockoff pinhead's holding, like, a circle puzzle that one of the guys was holding from a seller. So it's then revealed whatever they chose would end up killing them. Mm-hmm. And then we zoom out and we see all of these different monsters in these boxes. And th- this whole shot, for as brief as it is, oh. it is so fucking cool. And I actually did some I did some I research oh on this, God. on how they did this particular shot. So what they did was they green screened all of these boxes and the boxes were of like different size. So like uh, the average sized person, if they got into like one of the boxes that was like a little bit smaller, they would look like a giant trying to fit into this small space. And then they had some tiny boxes where they could fit like an insect and then scale it up. And then boom, it looks like there was like a giant centipede or a giant tarantula. And then they had some bigger boxes where they could fit like multiple like zombies in this scene. Some of the some of the monsters that I saw was like um that they had shot was like a giant woman, a blob mm-hmm. of some type, a floating head that I think was one it was one of the guys that was working behind the scenes that was the floating head. Yeah. And this is no bullshit. The KKK. Oh yeah, and they also mm-hmm. not only the KKK, the twins from The Shining are also in the scene if you yeah. if you look it is literally it is literally a fucking where's Waldo of your favorite of your favorite horror villain. Like, yeah, this, I swear to God, it is this scene is magic. This for a scene, film nut. this scene, and also what happens at the very end, it's like the ending, like where shit goes crazy. It's awesome. Like the and the the I could get a little bit more. I could get way more technical too about how they did some of the behind the scenes stuff, but I just. I just we y'all would be bored by that. So we would I was about to say we'd be here all day, baby. All day. So the technicians end up finding Marty and Dana, and the agency tries to get them, but they say, like, make it very clear, like, hey, we need to kill Marty first. Otherwise, this whole thing is not gonna work. So they're in this like government building when Marty and Dana hears a disembodied voice that is speaking to them that we haven't heard yet. But it sounds familiar. The voice monologues for a bit about the ancient ones and how we must appease them. Marty and Dana hear this and they nope to a control room as they get shot at Mm -hmm. by these government agent workers. So Dana, in her wisdom, just decides to start playing with the buttons on this control panel. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she hits one. I believe he says purge underneath. And it unleashes an army of horror cliches on this Tom Clancy fucking team. Holy shit. This is what I was talking about when this movie is a splat is like a heaping splash of four loco. It's all because of this ending. This. Yeah, no, this scene is the trigger mm-hmm. of essentially like a, like, like, like the cocktail that we had in ghost Rider, mm-hmm. but like good. Mm hmm. Like that is this scene. It is just like it is like a like a full like a shot that's on fire and like then you like a sh- it's like shotgunning a four loco. Like it is, it goes off starting with this scene. It is literally, so great. Literally, just from when the elevators open the first time, we get giant snakes, a robot scorpion, giant bats, the molesting tree, werewolves, a clown. It all goes to hell. 
I also here's what I wanted to point out about the practical effects. Director Drew Goddard actually wanted as many of these creatures to be practical effects as possible. But speaking of the effects, are you familiar with uh, Heather Langenkamp? I am not. So she is involved with this movie along with her husband, David Leroy. They worked on this movie doing the makeup and the prosthetics. Wow. Heather Langenkamp is also known as Nancy Thompson from a night from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. What? I was no. I, I did not no, know that until I was researching not. for this. I'm dead serious. I'm dead. She no. worked on like the makeup and the prosthetics for this movie. That's awesome. Nightmare on Elm Street. Son of a bitch. There is a there is a connection between Nightmare on Elm Street and Cabin in the Woods. I was blown. I was blown away. I was blown away when I saw that. That is so cool. That is unironically badass. Now all we got to do is get Freddy Krueger in this movie and then just see what he can get up to with them. What's the fucking Rick and Morty knockoff of Freddy Krueger? Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Get Scary <laughs> Terry in this movie too. I was about to say, get Freddy Krueger and Scary Terry. Yeah. So with this scene with all the creatures. It's a it's a lot. We get straight up zombies. We get discount pinhead, the home invaders from the the strangers. Like we get an evil medical patient. This whole scene, there there is way too much to get to. Oh yeah, evil unicorns. Evil fucking unicorns. There's there's so much to break down. There mm-hmm. is honest to honest to Christ. There is so fucking much to break down that it is just like you're just you're just sitting there just going like it's not worth it's not worth bringing up. Yeah, guys, like wa- it is go just watch like, go watch, watch this scene. Watch this. Watch the movie and watch this scene because there are different shots like in the background of like this control room where and I didn't know this they actually shot all of that stuff like they didn't green screen it in. What's playing on the monitors is actually playing on the monitors. Like we got a woman holding a gun to her head. We get like some evil doctors performing surgery. We have a person holding a sign. I forget. I forget what it says. I think it's the intern. Something about him dying. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't fucking know. Evil fucking mm-hmm. unicorn stabs a guy. That was awesome. Yes, that was awesome. The clown, lest we forget. The fucking clown. The fucking clown. So this woman is like laying on the ground, like shooting a gun at the clown. And the clown is just not phased and just still walking forward. They would not have survived against that fucking thing. There is no way. Oh, my God. I love it. So we we go back to like our government agent. So it's the technicians and this other like government agent. He doesn't really do a whole lot. He just kind of stands there and look intimidating throughout the whole movie. So this government yeah. guy gets killed by evil scarecrows. Yep. And he blows them up, which knocks Hadley like just clean across the room. Mm-hmm. When, and he's like, you know, he's dazed. He's slowly waking up, but he sees something in the distance. And within a thick fog. A thick fog, something walking, something crawling towards him. Could it be the government guy that's still alive? Could it be someone coming to to save them? 
No. It's the fucking merman. It's the fucking merman! Face off. Hell yeah, he got his wish. It's so great. No, he gets... No, as the merman is fucking killing him, blood spurts out of his blowhole. It's so awesome. And those effects were practical, too. I really want to know, like, what setup they had where it was, like, coming out of the back. It was, like, a blood tube, I'm guessing. I, I don't fucking know. I, this is why, yeah. I, this is why like, practical effects fascinate me because there are just a million different ways to make one thing. Absolutely. It's practical effects are so fantastic. And they, mm-hmm. I... I'm so, so, so always glad when practical effects are utilized. Mm-hmm. Not that nothing against CGI. CGI can be fantastic if it's done mm-hmm. correctly. But there is something about practical effects that is so magnificent that mm-hmm. I am just, that you just need. Yeah, I think it's more, it's more so like practical effects are a lot harder during production. But like CGI and stuff, it's a lot easier during production, but it's a lot harder during post when you're having to put everything in. So there's talent on mm-hmm. both ends. But yeah, definitely yeah, the practical exactly. effects with this with this movie, they look amazing. Oh, without so the, a shadow of a doubt. So the final technician goes down to this tomb, I think, and gets surprise stabbed by Dana suddenly. So in his dying breath, the technician tells her to kill him talking about Marty. So apparently she got a knife from somewhere. So that's happening. Shouts out to her. Shouts out to her. Hey, maybe it was from old Abby. Oh, one of the Buckners. Maybe she just held on to that, but we didn't see it. So I don't fucking know. So we get a room filled with the artwork. They go down to this like tomb where it's a room filled with artwork that we saw after each of the lever was pulled. It's like a, giant temple with hell underneath. So this movie gets so met. This is when the movie gets extremely met. Like it's already been meta to this point. But this is when it gets extremely meta. Basically mm-hmm. the horror movie trope is part of a ritual. The suffering they endured is to keep the ancient ones down. And by the way, holy shit, Sigourney fucking Weaver is in this movie weaver is in this i'm telling oh my god this came out of nowhere this came out of nowhere and also it was not promoted when this movie was coming out no no like oh my god it's so fantastic it's so Mm. great like this movie just uh, sidelines you and you're like son of a bitch sigourney weaver (laughs) as Mm. she like rolls out and is like and is like this is all planned it's just so great i love it i love it this is one of those times in like having a star in your movie and holding off on telling people and then having them show up. It hits you that much harder. Yeah, it really it's does. like it's like it's like if you it's like if you had Morgan Freeman be God, but you didn't advertise it and Morgan Freeman just fucking rolls out and he's just God. And then you'd be like, son of a bitch, Morgan Freeman. It it is such a shock. So anyway, Sigourney Weaver is delivering exposition, saying like, "Oh, the Virgin is to live or die as fate decides." And Dan is confused, like me, the Virgin. And Sigourney Weaver is just like, "Yeah, we we work with what we have." Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So 
I, I don't know. There, there are so many questions with this one. It's like, how is Dana the one if she's already had an affair with the professor? What's Jules' take on this? Maybe she could be the virgin. She looks like, you know, she would fit in like a Christian university. Maybe she's celibate. We don't know. She's at some like high, she, she grew up in like some hyper Christian household (laughs) and like she's, and she's not the slutty one. It's just, she just, she just was the one who got the blonde hair dye. So the cards just fell (laughs) in the, it fell the way they did. Like. I just yeah, just like getting Jules two cents being like, hey, what the hell? Like I could have been, I could have been the person. I didn't need to be the slut. Like it's it's just Jules's severed head just comes rolling down the stairs and sits up. And she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> she goes, God damn it! I am pre med, guys. <laughs> I'm in pre med, asshole. So all the other rituals have failed. If Marty lives, that means the world ends. Just just take one for the team, dude. And yeah. Scorny, we were just like, hey, we need you to do this. And Marty's like, I don't think I will. But Dana pulls a gun on him. And we're just like, bro, just like, just pull the trigger. Just do it. Save the world. And all of a sudden, Dana gets mauled by a fucking werewolf out of nowhere. The one that we saw earlier. So the fight breaks out. Weaver fights Marty. Dana fights the werewolf. But little Abby Buckner comes to the rescue one arm and to one arm and all marty pushes weaver and buckner into the pit with the ancient ones okay cool marty just kill the kill the whole world i guess yeah and then it's here where dana says the line i don't think kurt even has a cousin referencing how the cabin belonged to kurt so like was he in on this oh or maybe he was manipulated. Like we we don't know that. That's just a theory. That's that a, a theory. A theory. We 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 can't take the the film one. We can't. I was about no. to say we can't we can't say the full one because we will get copywritten or cease and desists or what have you. So we're just gonna stick with it. Matt Pat Matt Pat would just shut this podcast down just right now. <laughs> bring the ha- bring the bring the ban hammer down on us. So the two of them apologize. Dana says she's sorry for almost shooting Marty, which honestly sounds like my last relationship. And they smoke a joint before the the inevitable death of the world. Why is this movie getting so real by the end of it? So yeah, giant hand reaches up from the ground and then like, I don't know, we cut to black and then we get a Nine Inch Nails song. And that's the movie. And that's yeah, the movie. That's a fucking that's a fucking ending right there. It's like you just see the you just see the hand come out and like destroy the world as like nine inch nail glares in the background. <laughs> like, dude, my inner like dude, my inner like my inner like like Kyle, like 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 like, like think like grown up Kyle was mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> like fuck yeah, do nine you, inch nails. Do you bite the hand that fades? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that I'm glad they picked last and not fucking like closer because that would have been a way weirder energy if the hand was coming out to like closer. The hand comes up, I was like, I wanna fuck you like, you a, like, like an animal. <laughs> you're like, you're like, oh, this is, you're like, this is a different energy than what like, I was thinking. But okay, like, this just got a little un- uncomfortable. We're we're gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna move on past this. And I think a lot of people. Like there were there was a certain crowd of people that didn't like this movie because of the ending, which I I can understand that. But also, 
screw off this ending rules <laughs> well the, the ending with like all the creatures fighting each other i'm just specifically more talking about like the ancient ones coming up no no i that's what i'm specifically talking mm-hmm. about too i'm like i that's the thing that i love about horror movies that i just think like horror movies are not bound to the same standards that most movies are in the sense mm-hmm. that everything needs to end happily that everyone needs to hold hands sing kumbaya and if they don't that's a cliffhanger for the next movie like mm-hmm. no is it could just end not good like it's mm-hmm. it's okay not every movie has to end badly, but you know, some of them can. And that's why I love Cabin in the Woods. Cause they're just like, you know what? No, no, they chose not to, and the world will end. Like, I get it. I, I get it. I love the ending, but at the same time, I like if someone says, I don't like this, I'd be like, I get it. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I understand it. I understand it. I don't agree, but I understand it. And guys, that was Cabin in the Woods. This movie is definitely one. If you made it this far already, then you've probably already seen it. If you haven't seen it, what the fuck is wrong? Go watch it right now. Because this movie, especially the fucking ending, when shit just like shit hits the fan, it gets wild. That's when I'm like, okay, I fuck with this movie. This is awesome. Mike, what are your thoughts? Right. This movie, this movie is great. This movie is so great. If you. If you're an existing horror fan and you haven't watched it, it's fantastic. It literally lampoons all of the all of the tropes and you love them. If you're not a horror fan, this movie is a fantastic starting point cuz not only is Thor in it, but also like it's 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 scary yet funny. It doesn't it doesn't like it isn't hardcore all the time every time. It's like it has sprinkles of brevity in it. It lets you like take breathers it's great in that sense i honestly cannot recommend cabin in the woods enough if you if like for any any type of fan and like i mentioned in my intro for this podcast this movie has kind of ruined horror films in a way Mm because like i'll be because like i'll be watching like a horror movie and i was like wow i guess the government agency really really did a good one with this no one's alive or well guess it caused the end of the world this time you just see, you just see, you just you just see the sex scene in like a really shitty horror movie, and you're like, "Guess the pheromone levels are getting turned up on this." <laughs> you're like, guys, where's Hadley? Where's Hadley and Chris? What, and what are Hadley and Citizen doing? Get your shit together, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, before we end this episode, we teased a huge announcement, Ooh. and we have done Nick Cage month. Mm-hmm. But are you guys ready for the messed up at midnight double feature extravaganza throughout the entire month of October? Mike, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Can 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 you tell the can you tell the group can you tell the uh, the listeners what we're doing for the for the double feature extravaganza? So guys. You're not getting just one podcast episode a week. You're getting fucking two. And oh. what we're doing throughout the entire month of October is we are going to talk in chronological order about every single Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Guys, it's going to get bloody. People are going to die. I am excited for the Messed Up at Midnight double feature 
extravaganza where we're going to be talking about the whole filmography of our chainsaw wielding killer himself, Leatherface. Mike, Mike, oh, what do you got? What do you got to say? I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. It's so great. And for any person who's who listens to this and goes, I don't know if Texas Chainsaw's for me. We are here to prove you wrong. I swear, you may think that Texas Chainsaw is not for you, but I swear to God, you you may actually be surprised because I swear this move this this film series has way more than meets the eye. And I it's got it's got everything from comedy to to gore to Matthew McConaughey. It oh, is, yeah. I'm telling you, twists and turns at every single level for this for this film series. And I sincerely hope you stick with us for for each of these episodes that that are coming out. Yeah, guys, like I said, I'm excited. I know Mike is excited. Guys, tell the world we're we're getting bloody up in here. And oh. guys, tune in next week when we talk about the OG. The, the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I am I'm so looking forward to this one, guys. The, the grindhouse classic. The 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 slasher movie to start slasher movies, with the exception of Black Christmas. <laughs> or psycho. Or so, some people some people point to psycho. psycho. Or psycho. Gotta, with the, with the exception of psycho and black Christmas. It is the it is the slasher that started it all. So guys. I am excited. We will see you all next week when we talk Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Tune in, everybody.